Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Ben Don't Break, aka the Run Bum Podcast. We have changed our name to uh this is your host, race director and owner of Run Bum Races, Run Bum Podcast. Of course, my name is Sean Run Bum Bland. My friends call me Sean Michael. And this week we're doing something a little different. I know I've been pretty inconsistent with the podcast. I'm gonna have my co-race director Deanna Doan on next. Uh, and we're just going to do basically ask me anything episodes. Uh, we're going to start doing those. And this is the first one of that. Um, basically I put it out there on Facebook, you know, what running questions do people have, uh, for me, Deanna, um, and our, our podcast and try to cover as much as we can kind of do a lightning round. Uh, but spoiler alert, I'll tell you that the majority of most questions that people end up asking, um, are typically involving training uh more specifically is what do i need to do to train for insert x distance or how do i know that i can finish x distance and to be honest i go back to this i harp on this a lot um and we'll get into that i'll give you some specifics because i know people aren't asking what i'm about to give you but really everyone wants to know and feel like they can absolutely assuredly finish a distance and do something before they attempt it. Unfortunately, that's just not ultra running. As somebody who's run over 300 ultras, um, and I've done two ultras we'll talk about here in the last two weeks, self-supported. I wouldn't really call them super amazing runs or efforts, but I still finished them. Uh, felt great doing those as well. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more, but basically I think too many people want to be assured that you can do something. You can't. Even though I've done a bunch of races and runs and stuff like that, any given Sunday, any given day, I could be signed up, I could be doing one, and things just don't go right, or I mess things up, or it's a freak thing, I feel bad, maybe I get injured during it, whatever, and I don't finish. So their finishes are never guaranteed. However, on this podcast, with everything I'm going to tell you guys, um, I am going to do my best to try to help you train to be able to finish and feel good doing things. So now we have Deanna, Sweet D, Doan. Um, let's talk about real quick, I was just talking about uh, kind of the majority of our questions that we get asked a lot are how can we finish, insert whatever said distance, whatever. Um, so I am down in Florida, um, and Deanna is all the way in New Zealand right now. So how's New Zealand? Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely beautiful here. Definitely a trail running mecca. And real quick, we'll take a couple minutes. I want to talk about your adventure and what you're doing. And then we'll get back to, we'll start answering random questions. But Okay, so really cool is you're down in New Zealand and it's super nostalgic for me to watch you do all this stuff. A, you're doing, I've been to New Zealand twice. Uh, B, you're doing way more than I ever did. But C, uh, yesterday you did a self-supported 64 plus kilometer run hike on the Kepler track, which is a circular route in southern, the South Island of New Zealand. And that was the first place I ever ran a trail race ever. And it really is what kind of started and inspired me 
I mean, it is to do ultra marathons and ultimately race directing is how we're here and how I know you now. Yeah, it's like funny enough, like it kind of all comes full circle, like the birth of Runbum in a way, weird way was here right. on that trail with that trail race. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about you did this. Just tell us like pretty briefly about like what you did yesterday and and uh, yeah. Yeah, I did, um, you know, the 60K self-supported um you know run out on the kepler track which is a single loop um sort of mountainous uh trail uh down here in the south island of new zealand it goes through mountains it goes through fern forests and you cross rivers and it's absolutely beautiful you know um self-supported means there were no like there's no access to this trail at all unless you get like life flighted out on a helicopter or a boat comes and rescues you so it's pretty much I brought all my own food calories and I had a water filter to filter all my own water um, along my journey. It took me about nine hours and it was probably one of the most beautiful runs I've ever had in my life, just hands down. And the weather was amazing. It was just, it was so much fun. I really, I really enjoyed it. You're basically running through Middle Earth because they filmed a lot of like the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings movies there. And it feels like it too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's obviously there's a delay. Uh, Deanna's at a hostel right now. So she's kind of, uh, if that's why it seems not delayed, that's what's going on. So she did some awesome uh, self-supported race, or I'm sorry, self-supported run. Uh Three days ago, I four days ago, whatever it was, I did a self-supported 50K on the Florida Trail. And then two, like a week or two before that, I did a self-supported 37-mile point-to-point, uh, mainly hike, minimal jog on the Arizona Trail. Um, and I'm telling you guys this about what she did, about what I did is, you know, a lot of people are just so um, kind of like, you get very nervous, and we all do, about races, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And and all this stuff like that. But it's really fun to go do these self-supported all-in efforts like Deanna did, uh, where there is no place, like she said, to drop out. Like if you're dropping, you're not dropping, you're getting medevaced and they're not just going to come pick you up. So you have to be fully responsible for yourself. And I think it's such a good thing. And I want to challenge all runners or all ultra runners really to do those point-to-point races or single-loop uh, ultra-marathons where you're out, you're having to filter water, you're using that primal instinct, you have to carry all your food with you. Um, like, there is one way in and one way out, or you turn around and go back out. And sometimes if you get dropped off, you can't go back. You have to go all the way through. So, and you run way different there. Uh, you have to run very, very conservatively. I think it's just really healthy to put yourself out in these uh, compromising even though it's not that compromising, um, you know, predicaments and runs. And uh, I, I challenge everybody. I've challenged two of my good friends, uh, Chris Stangle. I challenged him to do the entire Florida trail section through Ocala. I challenged uh, my friend Kyle Kraft to do the Florida trail through Apalachicola. Um, so these are like 56 or so mile and a 70 mile uh, thing to do it kind of, you know, where you only drop food stuff for yourself and then you kind of go through um because again i think it's just so liberating and and positive for uh for your brain health and and uh just developing as a person so 
enough of that. Uh, we will go back and start talking about people had questions. And like I said, guys, anything, we'll do more of these. Um, I want to pull up a couple of these. Um, and uh, the first one somebody asked uh, was, what do you do if you see a bear on the trail? This is awesome. I'm glad to have Deanna on uh, talking about this. Um, here's why. Number one is if I'm in the South, I've seen bears in Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, um, Montana, uh, Canadian Rockies. I've seen them. Where else have I seen them? Utah. Um, and typically, I do not worry about black bears. I Every time I've ever seen a black bear, except for one occasion that was in Utah on our Ute 100 course, uh, they run away from me. They're more scared. I think it's very, very natural and common that people are very afraid of large animals and venomous animals uh, as well. Like that we don't understand them. We're not familiar with them. We don't spend time around them. We're living in a house, um, apartment, you know, some confined structure that keeps all those hopefully animals out. But anytime I've ever seen a black bear, they've always run away from me. Uh, now grizzly bear is a different scenario. Um, if I see a grizzly bear, I've seen a grizzly bear from my car before um, in the Canadian Rockies. Anytime I'm in uh, Montana, uh, Wyoming, certain mountain ranges like Tetons and stuff like that, uh, Canadian Rockies, Canada, I do typically run with a can of bear spray and I have it readily available sometimes with two. Um, I also try to, as much as possible, be with a group of four or more. Um, obviously that's not always possible, but Deanna, you were in the Canadian Rockies and there's signs everywhere warning about grizzly bears. What do you have to say about what do you do if you see a bear? <laughs> I mean, well, I think first thing is just hope you don't have to see a bear, but you know, definitely carry bear spray, know how to use it, right? Like read the label. Um, and then secondly, it's like be loud and proud and just, if you're by yourself, just make noise, you know, yell out yo bear and, you know, hope to God that you don't have to see a bear, but if you do, you know, know how to use that bear spray and, uh, <laughs> yeah, in fact, great, 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 uh, comments. So number one, uh, what I was told, um, when I was up in the Canadian Rockies, I probably spent a good year and a half of my life in the Canadian Rockies during the summer. Um, what I've always been told is, number one, if you're going to have bear spray, buy an extra can and go somewhere and just fire it. Know the range, know what it feels like. You know, I mean, you really need to understand to do it. I've done that. It's wild. Um, also, another thing is, too, it's like never spray into the wind, obviously. Um, but as soon as a bear comes out, it doesn't mean you need to just, you know, fire bear spray at it, you know, um, you know, there, I was told way back when we were running the Canadian death race, they had the park ranger from parks, Canada come and give us a pre-race briefing. It basically said, if you see a bear, you know, out there slowly back away, this is talking about any bear, but definitely grizzly slowly back away, give it space. If that bear keeps following you, keep backing away. Do not turn your back on it. Don't make eye contact slowly back away, back away, back away. Um, you know, and then if you see a mother bear and it's coming at you, um, typically mother bears with cubs, um, will usually come try to swat you away and then leave you alone. So worst comes to worst, they tell you to wrap yourself like your internal organs all around like a bush or whatever. They might take a 
couple of swats at you and then leave, right? Obviously, if you have bear spray, we've already hopefully used this at that point. Um, the other thing is, like Deanna said, is yelling out, yo, bear. Up in Parks Canada, they yell, hey, bear, yo, bear, before sometimes firing rubber bullets at the grizzly bears, the black bears that are in uh, touristy areas to get them away. Sometimes they have to drug them, relocate them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do not feed animals having food on you. Always a bad idea. Um, a surprise animal, you never know how it's going to react. So I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, yeah, but I would do more research on the internet. But on the East Coast, man, when I see people carrying bear spray, I just think it's a joke, even in the Smokies, okay? Um, all right, let's see. What else? Okay, so somebody asked, um, yeah, somebody asked the, or you see people with bells. We call them dinner bells. It's just funny. Um Somebody asked if uh, the walk-run method by Jeff Galloway is a good way to get through the first ultra when one cannot keep their heart rate down jogging continuously. So I'm going to tell you something right now. That was a great question. Um, so first of all, any 50K, whether it's flat or whatever, I don't know many people uh, personally that have run those uh, 50K nonstop. I can tell you right now, I've won 50Ks. I've never run it nonstop, even if it was completely flat um example i ended up second place in the wild florida 50k a couple months back not to talk about myself but relating my experiences um when i ran uh, i was second place i walked a lot during that race uh even the guy who won walked a lot so with that being said it's like you have to be a very 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 elite elite runner to be running every step uh unless you're just running something that's all pavement etc. So with that being said, everyone, 99.99% of people walk during a 50K. I always say this, Deanna, I, I know you've heard me say this, is it is better to walk when you have the choice in the beginning, as opposed to being forced to walk in the end, you know? So it's so easy to go out during a race, um, way too hard. I always kind of look at my heart rate. If you go to our runbumtours.com website, Deanna and I spent a lot of time developing this free 50K training guide. I know that sounds like an advertisement. It's free. We don't want anything from it. I want you to be a better runner, feel better, finish our races, finish other races, take a lot from that. It's not just, hey, do 20 miles this week. It does have mileage and stuff like that. But more importantly, it break down, it breaks down, you know, mid-race or pre-race training, mid-race, post-race, all that stuff like that. So I think that's a really great resource um maybe you have something to add i mean i definitely am a huge proponent for the walk run method and funny enough the first time i ever heard of you know the galloway method that's what it's really called was two years ago at my first hundred miler and you know i didn't know how to pace for a hundred miles yet like it was my first time out there and i ran most of the first 50 miles and then pretty much the last 15 miles of that hundred miles i learned what a death march was and I death marched it in and it was miserable. But there was this guy that was doing that method, the walk run. And at first it's like, you know, I'd pass him because he was walking and then he'd pass me because he was jogging. And then it kind of leapfrogged for a little bit. But then eventually guess what happened? He finished like two, three hours before me, you know? Wow. And then wow. really when I started training for forgotten Florida, I had decided uh, for the first time, I really wanted to focus on that race and have a real race plan. And my race plan was to do a run walk from the very beginning. 
And pretty much at the top of every mile, I would, you know, learned, I learned, I trained myself how to fast walk for like about a quarter mile ish. And I had a great race, you know, um, running in that way, really, I felt like I had a huge advantage. My legs never got super tired. I mean, of course it's a hundred miles. They were tired. Right. But like really just walking more and having that, you know, um, turnover, it, it really saved my legs a lot of fatigue and I was able to just, you know, put out a little more, go a little faster in the end. And it didn't, you know, wreck me like I had experienced at that other race. Right. This is my training thought process of when I was in really good shape. Um, I still walked a lot. I still walk a lot today um, during ultras. I thought that you know, I see a lot of, I think Galloway method is awesome for race day. However, unless you have injuries, you are maybe severely overweight. You have something that really prevents you from gain, like being able to run a lot or run a decent amount consistently, um, and run nonstop. I think that the Galloway method in training is not the way to go. I think you should separate, uh, for the majority of your training, you should separate all your running, but you also need to do one or two days a week where you're just power hiking. I call it hiking because a lot of times in our mind, we think walking, walking is slow, right? So we want to do a brisk walk where you're doing, and Deanna and I have talked about this a bunch of times. Deanna is a very, very fast walker. I am not as fast a walker. When I get in shape, I can do that 16 mile uh, to 17, well, about a 16 mile pace for 50 K or, or, or slightly under that, right. Just walking. So, um, I, I think that's good. I also would suggest that on your, let's say you had, um, in your training plan for a 50 K, you had a half marathon, uh, as your long run. And then the next day you're supposed to do like a recovery, something. My suggestion would be that you try to run that 13 miles nonstop. If it's on the road or if it's something that's runnable, if it's not, and you're doing, you're training for a mountain race, then I think the Galloway method where you're going for five and two or two and one, whatever he's changed it to now, I think that doesn't help you out because you're going to hit an uphill and then you're going to be running uphill, which will jack your heart rate up. So I think with the flatter races, it's really easier to use that method because you have to check yourself. Um, but even better, I'd, you know, it's just kind of a uh, framework, really, and a guide because you really just want to kind of keep your heart rate really under like 135 is what I would recommend for as long as possible during a marathon. Obviously, if you have uphill, um, it's not as possible. So when I do the recovery day after that long run that I've tried to run or go a moderate effort, if you will, um, that recovery run, that's when I then go, okay, cool. This recovery run is like keep my heart rate low, practice that Galloway method, and really just run, walk, um, and try to keep my heart rate super low, like 130 or under, if that makes sense. So I do a lot of different training for a lot of different things. So if I know that the course has a lot of uphill and I'm going to be power hiking that, then I'm going to hit the Stairmaster a bunch and be hiking a bunch on that and hitting the, the treadmill at a big incline. Um, and then for, you know, Running flat miles, I don't think in training, unless you're doing something, there's very few times in training 
that I think that you should ever be walking when it's flat or downhill, never walking when it's downhill and always running when it's flat. Uh, I see too many people that are like, you know, and even rolling hills, I feel like people should be running those and training up to, you know, 10, 13 miles, you know, if you can't, um, or building up to that, because when you start mixing in walking, then you just kind of start always walking and you're never in shape or building the, the muscles to be able to run uphill at all. And that really can help you and help your anaerobic capacity as well. So there you go. I agree. Yeah. I definitely agree with all that. Um, and I definitely think also like what you said, I'm going to reiterate, like the Galloway method should really be used on race day and not in your training. And it's okay. I know a lot of people do a run walk method in their training and that's okay if that's what, you know, you're comfortable with and that's you building up your mileage. But for me, what led to such a successful race at Forgotten Florida was my training consisted of running miles a uh, long run every week, but then also two days a week, I was going for long power walks or power hikes, right? And I had gotten my pace down to a 13 to 14 minute mile, just walking and training myself to get faster at that. And then applying all of that on race day um, just led to, you know, a very success for me. I PR'd, um, I got second place. It was just, it was an awesome day and it just really all came together in that way. And I just, I definitely recommend doing it that way. And that is a perfect, perfect example of what I was going to get into and segue into our next question, which was how do I transfer from the 50 K to the 50 mile? And how do I get from 50 mile to a hundred? So, um, obviously we want to, in theory, do more volume, right? Um, but one of the things we want to focus more on as well is kind of dialing back the intensity of everything and ramping up that power hiking like Deanna is talking about. It's like if you're training for a 50 miler, um, if you're not, you know, middle to front of the pack, those people should be training more running, right? Um, back of the pack, if you can't log the mile, like middle to back of the pack, if you can't log the miles without facing injury or fatigue or doing all this stuff, then you need to really hit the walking, power walking hard. You also need to hit Stairmaster hard, build up that strength, be doing cross training and stuff like that. But again, what happens when you train for power walking and to go fast like Deanna's done is that when you, um, and we're not doing the Galloway during training, except for maybe like a recovery day, um, is that when you go during the race from running to walking your your body's already used to walking it is slightly different muscles and you're, rather you're using them in a different way okay so you've got to build that up um and the more you do walk like the more you mix in walking and getting quicker with it during the week during you know outside of your runs and scheduled um stuff is your heart rate will drop quicker it will drop lower you won't get as fatigued once you transition from uh walking back into running your legs won't feel as like you know jelloey if that makes sense um especially if there's a lot up and down that's why that stairmaster helps so somebody asked again how do you go from 50k to 50 mile 50 mile to 100 miles again slowly building that confidence i also don't think that um to do 50 miles you need to be doing like 35 mile long runs you're kind of like everybody knows that 
marathon training. It's like 22 miles should be your long run, like three weeks out from the race. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe whatever. Um, I would say you just really need to be comfortable, uh, doing 20 mile runs, maybe do more back to back stuff, like getting your legs really tired and then going and running on them. But again, we're looking at the heart rate. So even though your legs are tired, we don't want to be hitting 150, 170 heart rate. You want to be able to do that, like still at the 140 or under and, you know, hitting your time goals and, and if that makes sense. So there you go. What, what do you got on that? I mean, I definitely agree. I think doing the back-to-back long runs, you know, getting your legs used to being tired, right? Um, but ultimately, I also think it's just time on feet, right? Like, yeah, you're getting more, you want to get more miles in to know what it feels like to maybe run 50 miles, but really it's just being on your feet for a longer period. So whether that's walking, running, you know, I think you should make it a goal before your 50 miler to maybe have like, you know, like an eight hour day where maybe it's, you know, a mixture of running and hiking and walking and, you know, getting your body used to that ultra endurance. Right. Um, and it's funny because 50 K to 50 mile, it, it is a jump, but I really do think, you know, once even you do your first 50 K, you learn that so much of it is mental and mentally you can push yourself further, even if you are more tired and you feel worse for like a 50 miler, you know? Um, but there are also ways that you can, you know, if you're really scared and nervous to do that jump, I mean, it's like do a 40 miler, sign up for a 12 hour timed race, you know, and, and see how much you can do and feel comfortable with and confident in doing it. If that's, you know, the confidence that you need, then do that. Right. But it kind of does boil down to confidence. Like you just said. That's right. No, a hundred percent. And, and I think I watch a lot of people get very burnt out. Also, a lot of people get injured uh, doing these ultras and it's like, why they come in, they see something like a Billy Yang film, which is awesome. They see something on Western States see something about Barkley marathons and it's like, Oh hell yeah, I am a hundred percent all in on this and uh, take it from me. That is um, if you're going to watch some stuff, get inspired. Yes, dude, harness that energy. We want to do it. Dive into that rabbit hole, watch all the things, ask all the questions, talk to all the people, but really what you have got to do is put the brakes on yourself and slowly build and consistency. I don't think anybody and I watch everybody do it is go, okay, I've done a half marathon, now a marathon, now 50K, now 50 miler, now 100K, now 100 miler. And it's like, where does it end? And I hope what people take away from this podcast on various episodes is that like, dude, do this for life. We want to be running for life for a long time. I've been doing this for 17 years almost now running this stuff. And I'm still stoked about it. And I'm not burning myself out. Um, you know, I've done everything I wanted to do. Um, and now it's just kind of about fun. So there is no reason that you have to go 50 K right a 50 miler. It's like, do a bunch of 50 Ks, man, go back and run some 25 Ks, run a half marathon, run for fun, do a self-supported ultra. Don't feel like everybody's end goal needs to be a, do a 200 mile race. Like, because it's, it's not, um, and you shouldn't, that's my, that's my cup of tea right there. So I agree. Uh, And um, I definitely will like kind of want to go back to on, you know, like run a self-supported ultra on your own. You know, it's like the joy of doing that is because you love it, right? You're running for the fun of it, for the adventure of it, because it's not a race. There's no pressure. There's no 
time restraints. It's just you, you know, I guess against the sunlight and the sunset, right? But like, do it just because you love it. Like not everything has to be a race. You don't have to get a medal for it's, you know, it's because you enjoy it. Right. And also it's like, you don't have to go all out and hurt yourself over, you know, doing some of these distances. Um, that's how I definitely feel about it. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, guys and gals, I really hope you guys enjoyed this little mini episode of our Ask Me Anything episode. Huge thank you to Sweet D, uh, Deanna Doan. By the way, her name is not Deanne, Deandra, or any other mispronunciation <laughs> of Deanna. Um, it is Deanna, and she gets really upset about that. So if you actually listen to this podcast, in the comments when we post this, please just try to bastardize her name as much as possible, but also give her a big thanks and say congratulations on her 64K run hikeathon down in New Zealand. <laughs> Deanna, anything else you got to say before we go? It was go? so much fun. <laughs> Forgotten Florida is coming up. It is sold out. Also, every race that we have right now is sold out except for the Grayson Highland short distance races. That means we've sold out Forgotten Florida, Georgia Death Race, Grayson Highlands, Quest for the Crest, uh, 50K, 25K. Actually, we do have 10K spots left. And then on Monday, January 15th, we are opening Sky to Summit 50K and 25K because people have been bugging me about this. Um, excited for that. That's not till October. I expect it to sell out within minutes or days as it has been selling out in a couple weeks. Uh, and we're just... These races are going like hotcakes, Deanna. That's what I'm saying. Tell the people to sign up. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Thank do I? I mean, I feel like we don't even really have to sell it much at this point. Like, people love it. It's so much fun. Like, I personally can't wait for Forgotten Florida, GDR, Grayson, and Quest because it's like we kind of have this little break between, you know, having like Cloudland and Sky and then the rest of the other races. And it's like, I, I miss you guys. I miss all our runners and volunteers because it really is so much fun. It's just the best place to be the best vibes, the best people and volunteers. And it's just, I just, I really can't wait for, you know, everything that's to come this year. And, uh, you know, yeah, I do have to say, definitely get on that registration when we open up sky to summit and then wild Florida, I think we're opening up in March or Feb no, I think February. And it's like, get on it before it's gone because you know, you don't want to miss out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, people. We'll see you at the next race. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you to my co-race director, Deanna Sweet D. Doan. We'll see you soon. Bye.